It's time for episode 542 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where hosts are required to be several time zones apart. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet and across the ocean this week by my good friend, my pal, my uh, co-host sitting in for Micah Sargent this week because he is contractually obligated to be on any episode that ends in 42. It is James Thompson. Hello, James. Ah, thanks, Dan. It is written into Relay Law that I do at least have the option to host any uh, episode that ends of 42. But, you know, now that I've sat in every single seat here in Clockwise Towers, I have to say this one is my favorite. That's a good one. Micah does have mm. the best seat. It's true. Well, this is, of course, the show where we invite on two fantastic guests to talk about four tech topics. To my left this week, it is the host of Automators right here at Relay FM and iOS Today. It's Rosemary Orchard. Welcome back, Rosemary. Hey, Dan. And hi, James, not Micah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, his legal name, James, not Micah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, and to my left is another automation auteur, uh, somebody who certainly makes shortcuts sing. It's Matthew Casanelli. Thank you for the wonderful introduction and happy to be here as always. All right. I'm going to kick things off this week. The HomePod with a screen rumor is back in force. I want to know if this is a device that appeals to you. I mean, are you an existing HomePod user or you've been waiting for a HomePod with a screen? And if it is something that appeals to you, how would you find yourself using it? Rosemary, let's start with you. So this is one of those things. That every time I see it, I go, oh, that's really cool. But realistically, I found when I have dotted screens around my house for display purposes, unless they're basically just a clock, I kind of don't really end up absor- absorbing the information on them. Um, and I don't know if it's that it's information overwhelm. I don't know if it's because it's a bright, flashy, shiny, colorful screen and therefore it's just too much. Um, but I end up tending to not really want to see it or use it and it kind of gets shoved behind other stuff. Um, I think for me, therefore, this wouldn't be great. But for people like my parents, I can see them getting one of these and keeping it like on the coffee table that never moves in their living room that they use to like store their laptop and the bottom of and things like that. Because, you know, they like you know, talking to devices and seeing the device's response or, um, you know, tapping at things to control smart home stuff and so on. So I think for them, it would be really nice to have sort of like a weather overview with like a home overview and things like that. And, you know, maybe if we could pull in some information about the car as well so they could see, you know, like, um, you know, how how well fueled the car is. Um, if they ever get an electric car, then telling them the battery levels and so on, that could be really useful. But I think architecturally speaking, it wouldn't necessarily fit into my home. There's not really an ideal like place, which is just like you, you constantly walk past it and see it unless it's right in front of your nose. And I feel like that's that's Vision Pro for me. I, I think the real question is, is this a HomePod with a screen or is it a small iPad with a big speaker? Because if it's purely like an appliance without any access to third-party apps, that's kind of limit the appeal of this for me. Um, I mean, I get the concept of having a very focused device that does a limited number of things very well. But, you know, what exactly are those things? Um, it's not like I do have a shortage of screens or HomePods around me right now. So it has to kind of bring something else now, in theory, maybe it could display widgets from third-party phone apps in the same way that the Mac can show widgets from iOS. So my conspiracy theory is that that feature 
has always felt so weird. So it was originally developed for use with a device like this and then shipped on the Mac first because this thing kept getting delayed. You know, that sounds plausible. But even that, would that be enough to make it useful to me? I'm not exactly sure. But given that Amazon doesn't seem to be doing particularly well financially with the Alexa, which is arguably the most popular smart home device, I'm not sure how much of a market there actually is for this thing. Uh, but if nothing else, if it stops Siri from telling me that it found some stuff on the web that I can look at on my phone, then it would be worth it. Matthew, what do you think? I am a big Nest Hub fan, actually, and almost exclusively for the photos, because just being able to see my photos in my home without having to pull them up is something that isn't otherwise available on Apple devices. and legitimately would bring me joy right multiple times a day just seeing an old memory that i hadn't thought of before i'm also definitely a big fan of just seeing timers in the kitchen and even seeing like the home app and things like that i hadn't thought of widgets james that's definitely a great avenue and of course widgets are powered by app intense so if i could have a set of shortcuts there too <laughs> i'd of course love that but i definitely think having third party apps would be the killer thing because on the hub it's just kind of like, oh, you can do these four things or the YouTube app doesn't really work well. But if I could have apps like things on there, that would be or Fantascal, that would be amazing. I'm glad Matthew dug this one out because I was worried I was going to be the lone person who's like, I want this. And I do because I have used my phone in standby mode in the kitchen a lot right next to a HomePod. And despite Apple's, you know, much ballyhooed, everything works well together. Boy, those two products don't work great together at times. Um, like literally the other day, I tried to, I was trying to home, you know, uh, airplay a podcast I was listening to. And it started, it like got confused about where the timeline was, like how far I was into this podcast and like finally got it set up. And then I afterwards tried to take it off the home pod back onto the phone so I could finish listening. And it's like, oh, you want to start that episode over? Clearly, I was like, why would you think that? Uh, so I want one of these in the kitchen. I think the, the shortcomings of the standby mode to me have illustrated how much potential I think there is in having a screen attached to a smart speaker. And I feel like there is room there, as Matthew said, to do some interesting stuff. I also have a Nest Hub in my office that I pretty much exclusively use for two things. One, uh, a photo frame, because it's great. And two, a thing that tells me when my internet's out, because it's usually the first thing to react and be like, hey, there's no <laughs> internet connection. So really, super useful. Um, but I do agree that third-party apps, or at least some version of that, whether it be widgets or full-blown apps, could be incredibly useful. There's rumors that it's based on tvOS, which seems odd, but also I get like it's a it's a far it's a, it's a device you want to use from a far distance, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, that also streams like a place I was just writing about this elsewhere, but like having the ability to do like hand gesture or uh, controls of some kind, especially in the kitchen where it's like okay, I don't want to have to walk up and, and tap it, or I don't want to have to use my voice right now, would be super handy as well. So I'm bullish on this device. I mean, obviously you have to see what the implementation details look like, but I think there's some room to grow in this category, and definitely I think there is a market for it, despite what anybody else says. Uh, all right, <laughs> thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Rosemary. Well, there is a brand new shiny green app from Apple called Apple Sports, um, and it has direct links into Apple TV. So I would like to know if you are a sports fan, uh, which sport or sports? Um, is it sort of extreme ironing, snail racing, leprechaun toss? Um, are you going to be using this app? Have you tried it? Or do you like it? Is there shortcut support? No. Um, and if you are not a sports fan, 
What sort of tracking app for this sort of thing, like not sports, but that sort of style of thing, would you like to see next from Apple? James. Well, as a shorter person of Celtic origins, I have to point out that you should not toss leprechauns. From what little I've seen of the app, it seems very focused on the US and a cursory glance does not cover, for example, Scottish football or rugby sports that I'm notionally supposed to care about. So my idea, my pitch instead, pitch if you will, is I would like from Apple an app where I can put in people like musicians I like or writers or actors or whatever, and it'll tell me when they have something new out. You know, they have all that data in their various stores and some of that gets surfaced already, but I just want one place that will just give me a big list of all the creative folk I care about and will send me notifications when there's new stuff out from them, lists it all in the app. I can tap, go straight to the stores. Um, I frequently miss like new albums coming out with Apple Music or new books, even though Apple, you know, does already send me notifications for some of this stuff. But I would just like it in one place for every single store that Apple runs, just, you know, just telling me about these things that I would like. And I think it would make good financial sense for Apple to do something like that too. You know, think of the services revenue. So please make this thing for me and for the shareholders. I definitely noticed from this app. It feels like this has always been in Siri and now they just made an app out of it, which is sort of like, it's sort of a duh moment, but I guess you're right that they needed maybe some more services revenue to, to justify it. But I also probably won't be using this a whole lot since I'm, I'm not exactly a sports person either. I like James's uh, suggestion. That's pretty good. The central sort of clearinghouse, because I certainly use like a TV tracking app and stuff like that. But yeah, I miss stuff too. Um, I also was thinking maybe, bear with me, an app where you can watch movie trailers, like a dedicated app for watching movie. Anyone think Apple might do something? No, probably not. Um, Something with dice? I don't know. Uh, No, I'm a little short on ideas on this one. I do think of all things, I was sort of sitting there thinking, actually, the, the tools that I miss the most from other devices that I kind of am surprised Apple hasn't done. I'm surprised there's no native Apple screen sharing on iOS or iPad going in either direction. Like there are lots of excellent third-party apps and I don't want to suggest that Apple Sherlock them, but it does kind of boggle my mind that there's no way to just do screen sharing from an iPhone to a Mac or to an iPad. It's so weird. And then along those lines, uh, one of my favorite classic utilities, network utility on the Mac where you can do troubleshooting. Again, there are third-party options, but like it's right there. Sometimes you just need to test some network settings. Like, come on, man. Let me help out. Like, there's there's all these tools under the, uh, like, command line tools, like, under the hood there somewhere because it's all, you know, based on the same stuff. I would love more access to those kinds of things. And uh, I don't see Apple doing that anytime soon, but it would be cool. Rosemary, why don't you wrap us up here? Yeah, one of the things that I kind of wish existed in a better way is, like, TV and film tracking and so on. So that if I am you know, watching a TV show, I've been watching The Rookie. The next episode comes out today as we record the show. Um, but, you know, I have to go to various different third party services for that because, you know, who who can you live stream it through currently in the UK? Can you even do that? And so on and so forth. It, you know, all of this stuff gets very messy. And there are ways to do some of this already using, you know, the TV app if you've got other providers that hook into it, but that's on the Apple TV and there's not just like a list of things. And so that would be really lovely. But the real app that I really want to see, though, is all that data that is being used to create suggestions in the journaling app. I'd really like to just kind of have like 
a, a history of my day. Like they're already tracking this very clearly because it's available on device to be used in journaling, but it would be really nice to just sort of scroll back through and be like, oh, I was here and I took these pictures and then I went for a walk. Um, and then I was at this address for like three hours where I was visiting my grandmother and so on. And I feel like that would be a really nice, you know, sort of perhaps extension to the journal app. I don't know, perhaps just the nerd version of journal. So Apple journal nerd, I don't know, but either way. Let's let's wait and see. Uh, as it is, uh, I would very much like James's suggestion of just being able to track all the new things from a person. All right, that's two topics down, two topics to go, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Ecam. Ecam Live is the leading video production and live streaming studio built for Mac. Ecam does all aspects of video, not just live streaming. It's perfect for simplifying your workflow. It's easy enough to get started quickly, but powerful enough that you can create just about anything with video. You can do it all with the Ecamm app. I've used the Ecamm app to live stream um, some of our D&D actual play stuff over at TotalPartyKill at TheIncomparable.com. And one of the things I love the most about it is the fact that it is so unapologetically a Mac app. I have used cross-platform streaming apps, many of them, and you always get that janky feeling like, uh, this is designed for open source, all these different platforms, or this has got some weird like custom UI in it. But Ecamm is really, first and foremost, a Mac app, and that is the thing that makes me love it. Uh, pretty much handles anything you want to throw at it. It's very flexible, very powerful, um, and you can stream to multiple services, all this stuff just built in, and it's pretty easy to use. I think that's the best part of it is like if you if you've used other apps like other uh you know streaming apps they can be intimidating when you start out but i feel like ecamm does a really nice job of sort of here this is all very friendly it's all very friendly just want you to help whether you're streaming recording podcasting or presenting everything that's there in ecamm including support for multiple cameras and screen sharing and a live camera switcher that lets you direct the show in real time stand out from the crowd with high quality video add logos titles lower thirds and graphics share a screen drop in video clips bring out interview guests use a green screen and so much more ecamm live does it all their members are entrepreneurs, marketing professionals, podcasters, educators, musicians, church leaders, bloggers, and content creators of all kinds. Get one month free today at ecamm.com slash clockwise using code clockwise. That's a whole month free of Ecamm Live at ecamm.com slash clockwise with code clockwise. Go there now. Check it out. Our thanks to Ecamm for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. Halftime is over. James, what do you have for us? So now that the Vision Pro has been out for a few weeks and some people are getting to try it out in real world situations, I, I don't mean driving in a Cybertruck, um, how do you feel about it now as a product? Um, if you have got to try it out, you know, like what kind of apps and experiences would you like to see in the future, either from Apple or from third parties? I think the default experience is just so impressive and I don't know. I don't want to rehash that what seems obvious about the product, but I think definitely what you were saying about even a HomePod type experience, James, having having my real apps there makes all the difference. Um, being able to use the productivity systems that I'm already using every day versus on something like the Quest, you have I don't really have any sort of option to get work done there besides connecting to a computer and just doing that. Um, I think also the movies are incredibly impressive. I saw on uh, somewhere else that like the Marvel movies were actually remastered in higher quality than they've essentially ever been seen before. So that's definitely super impressive. And then I also figured out, speaking of Ecamm, how to use the developer strap to bring in real time footage. It, it basically can't handle 30 frames, but I can do 24 frames per second. So I actually figured out how to record the Vision Pro and 
show what I'm doing in real time, which is actually super cool. I didn't I didn't think that was going to be possible at all. And then I think also shortcuts I'm super interested in. The 1.0 is pretty limited. Even like the clipboard function just isn't there at all. But in the developer beta, it is. So once that gets rolled out, I think that experience is going to make a lot of Vision Pro. Just how you have to open apps one by one and set up all your windows with shortcuts, you could call them up all and even to the right position in the app that you need and do things right away. So I think shortcuts and Vision Pro are going to go really nicely hand in hand because it's Eventually, I'm not going to want to click around and do everything. I want some of it to be automated. And so Apple already has a full-fledged automation platform built into the tool. So I just want to see it minority report style and have it all floating in the air around me. Well, I've only used it for half an hour in an Apple store, so I am not super qualified to talk about this. I would love to get a chance to use it more. Um, I found the experience of just even the brief demo to be intriguing enough that my came away with my first impulse being like man i just really want to spend like a couple hours with this and really you know put it through its paces um so i don't know exactly what are the experiences i'd like to see obviously i think the big thing for me looking at where they might be headed for vision os 2 or a later version is some form of social i don't want to say social sounds so weird but like it's so, you know, they've talked a lot about how they don't want to be isolating from stuff in the real world, but they haven't really made any conveyances for like, hey, I want to work with other people in a virtual environment or something like that beyond your FaceTime and personas. But like, it feels like such a rich opportunity for whether you have, you know, more than one person with a Vision Pro in a same physical space or people with Vision Pro in different spaces who can then come together and collaborate in sort of a, you know, shared environment. I think that would be super cool. And I am surprised that there is absolutely nothing that really does that. I mean, there is some, some you know, concession with things like SharePlay or stuff like that, but there's not really a anything different than what you can do on existing devices today, it feels like. And that seems like a missed opportunity because one of the coolest things about this is this idea of creating, you know, virtual or augmented space. Um, and it sure feels like there should be a way to share that experience with another person in some way. Rosemary, what about you? Well, I think the first experience is that I would like to experience uh, Vision Pro because it's not available here in the UK. I have not managed to import one and had to go through the, <laughs> the same struggles that James unfortunately had. But then I think I actually really want to try working in it, you know, like pulling in my laptop as a software developer. Um, you know, I can't do a lot of things on just an iPad or similar. I often end up lugging like a Raspberry Pi with me to run as a, a mini server or similar so that I can code on an iPad, um, which, yes, I could just take a laptop, but I'm a nerd. So, of course, it's a Raspberry <laughs> Pi and an iPad. Um, it's also slightly smaller, um, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see what actual productivity things there are for it. And I know Omni Group have made a really good start. I've seen some of their beta things from the OmniFocus that they have uh, been uh, putting into test flight. Uh, but as it is, I, you know, without actually seeing this, you know, when you see a 2D screenshot of something that is a 3D experience, it just doesn't convey the same thing. What I'm also very excited about, though, is Disney have a, that new uh, floor that they've been working on, which is sort of a series of hexagons, uh, small, oh, yeah. small ones with ball bearings in, um, that basically turn that plus a, a VR headset into a complete environment where you can walk and run, just like the holodeck in Star Trek. That's what I want to see. That's what I'm really excited about. 
still really kind of finding my feet with it. And I mean, kind of literally, like, where are my feet? Uh, <laughs> it does seem like the hardware and software of it, though, is extremely capable. But there isn't a lot out there yet that takes full advantage of the hardware. Most apps, like in the store, and, you know, I'm guilty of this myself, are your kind of traditional 2D apps ported to Vision OS with maybe a little 3D garnish sprinkled on top. Um, or, you know, very small scope 3D apps that feel more like demos. And I do get it because developers basically had a month's notice on this thing actually shipping. Uh, plus the one actually a very many developer kits floating around as far as I can tell, which are super needed if you are making a full 3D app. So I think a lot of development will really have started in earnest this month as hardware became available to mere mortals. I mean, you can see stuff like the immersive Disney Plus app, where they had the extra time to make something that looks pretty good and takes decent advantage of the hardware. But even that is relatively limited in scope. I'm still really impressed with it as a technological achievement, and it's definitely the most advanced device I think Apple has ever made. I'm currently rolling dice and throwing bananas in three dimensions, which is, you know, honestly all I've ever wanted. Um, so uh, we have our last topic from Matthew. So I just recently saw a good video from Stephen Robles talking about the action button a few months later, and I've been testing there's new shortcuts actions in the beta to get the device orientation and also get your activity. So Apple is kind of responding to how other people or other apps are were using the action button with shortcuts. So I'm curious, are you still using it? And if so, how? And if not, what should it have to make you use it? I love this question because it reminded me about the action button. Um, <laughs> I feel awful excited. I'm really excited about the action button when it came out, and I was really you know hopeful for the possibilities. Um, I've had it set to the camera since early on because you know I've got a small kit and I figured I want quick access to that. I have found it very frustrating. It's at the wrong plate. Like invariably, I want to get in really fast, and the muscle memory is just not there. I end up hitting the volume buttons instead. Like it just does not work for me. So I've been very disappointed with using it for camera functionality, which makes me feel like I should find some other use for it. And I think the idea of using some more complicated shortcuts and stuff like that to provide a variety of functions could be really handy. My biggest concern with that is just like, is there too much? Like, you know, if I don't, if you don't want to overload it, right? Because then it's like, I have to think about what context I'm in and how it's going to use the button, right? You want something ideally that's kind of on the simpler side. But weirdly tempted to use the flashlight feature just because, again, it's something you want to be able to get to easily. I love the idea of the action button. I do still think it's maybe in a place that I don't like using it. And so I wonder if there's a better layout for it, if we can kind of divorce it from its old ring silent switch function. Um, but yeah, I think it's time I should probably start investigating some some other applications for it. Rosemary, what about you? Well, I have been using it and I have been actually messing around with it recently because I realized that one of the things I've basically trained myself to do since owning an iPhone 3GS, because that's how long I've been using an iPhone, is I just don't touch the silent switch. You know, I used to mess with it as kind of like a fidget toy, but I always tried to stop myself because I didn't want to actually break it. But because of that, I don't really have the muscle memory built in of, um, you know, using a silent switch. So I started by putting things there thinking that I press it all the time and that I wanted something really, really fast under my fingertips. And I realized that instead I have good muscle memory for how to quickly get into drafts and things like that, which I would want to do. And so I've been looking at the things that I would like to do or I need to do 
somewhat regularly, but not as regularly. For example, if I'm at home, one of the things that it offers me、uh, the ability to do is to disable Pihole, which is my、uh, network-wide app blocker. Because every so often you'll run into something stupid where it. You know, for whatever reason,、uh, has you you have to disable、uh, Pihole for things to work.、Um, getting the device orientation and activity, they seem like a useful thing,、um, but I've really found that things like focus modes or physical location tend to be better contextually for me. Just because、um, you know, if I'm in a fitness focus mode. Um, then I should probably be starting a workout or something like that,、um, and that is a very easy thing to do. Whereas putting my phone face up or face down, or if it's portrait or landscape, that doesn't necessarily change what it is that I actually want or need to be doing. At least not yet. Maybe it will in the future. Yeah, I also feel like I've been brought in to provide some contrast to our two guests, who are like <laughs> these pioneers of automation technology, whereas I'm just banging two bananas together in the corner like some kind of fruit obsessed caveman. I'm using the action button for its default behavior of toggling the silent switch, which is the most boring answer imaginable. But I was thinking about it, and I think what I would like to do. Is have something that's slightly more contextual. So, like for most of the day, it silences my phone. But maybe after a certain time of night, I press it as I'm about to go to bed, and it you know sets everything into the right modes for me and makes it all perfect for me sleeping. And then when I press it again in the morning, if that's set, it will just you know unset all the stuff, and then we'll go back to being a silent switch. Uh, have I actually done any of the work to make that happen? No. Could I? Absolutely. Will I?、Uh, well, Matthew, you tell me. I was going to say, I, mean, I think I could hear Rosemary and I building that shortcut in our heads. <laughs>、uh, That's why the, I was saying it like that, so you would do the use、work. the format date action, set it to the custom with the format string H for hour, and then it's used twenty four hour time, and you can do if less than twenty, do something else. So. That's how you can accomplish that.、Um, <laughs> um, but I totally agree. I think having it be more contextually more contextual is the most important thing. There was a lot of performance issues when it came out, and so I tried to do this, but I have too many focus modes, and it couldn't load all of the menus. And so the shortcut, the action button, would just take a couple seconds to load, and kind of defeated the purpose. It also used to time out. And so, for the first three months, my shortcuts that I wanted to do would stop running in the middle of it, which also happens on the Vision Pro home screen. If you have, let's say, more than two hundred apps and you're trying to get to the last page, it times out, <laughs> even though you're using it, which is hilarious. Also, Dan, I think the part about being able to test different actions easier than going into that sub menu would make it a lot just、mm -hmm. like simpler to test and figure out what works for you.、Mm -hmm. And so. Yes, I am also thinking of a shortcuts method to do that.、Um, <laughs> I'm using it most for as someone who goes over the top with most things, just to open my shortcuts folders because I have so many, and being able to access them regularly takes so much time. Even just being able to pick from those folders, I think the same thing. So if you have too many menus, you get a lot of context overload really quickly, and so just having your most important function first, I think, is definitely the best way to use it. And then having it maybe change depending on your location or focus mode, one or two I think is some of the best methodology. So I'd like to see it get improved. And supposedly they're doing the camera button in a different place, so we could kind of have both. But 
I think one thing that I noticed wearing the Vision Pro is I wanted to have functions for the Vision Pro from my iPhone, like be able to press that and bring in my Mac virtual display or something like that remotely would be really nice. All right, that's four topics down. We got just enough time for a bonus topic. I'll just remind you quickly, if you'd like to pick up some Clockwise merchandise and support the show, we've got our hats, our shirts, and our phone cases all available at clockwise.social. So go check that out if you want to support the show, represent a little bit. We appreciate it. All right, bonus topic for you. You have the opportunity to plant a tree. What kind do you plant, Rosemary? Well, if I could use a bush, then obviously I'd have to go with rosemary. Um, but assuming that it has to be an actual tree, uh, let's go with an oak tree. They they last uh, a really, really long time and they can get really big. Yeah, I mean, in a similar spirit, I was going to go with a giant redwood tree, uh, mainly because it would outlive me, uh, but also because I want the Ewoks to have somewhere to live. I'm going to go fir tree just because I always found it so fascinating as a kid. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go in that that direction as well. Pine trees, something with a nice piney scent to it. I like a good fresh pine. So there we go. Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just $5 per month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss Apple Music's new monthly replay feature and what we listen to when we're working. And we have reached the end of this week's episode. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Rosemary Orchard. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure as always. And Matthew Casanelli, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to the AI-generated image of me super buff, James, <laughs> like you had on the mess wall. Uh, James, thank you so much for sitting in for Micah this week. Really appreciate it. And um, you might even be allowed to come back. Maybe. <laughs> but for everybody else listening out there, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>